This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network in Waiting for Next Year community. Uh, you'll be hearing this tomorrow morning, August 12th. Uh, I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside Ethan. Uh, Farmer Ethan, today is like a national holiday for you, I think, right? It's the, it's the Field of Dreams game. It's a game that's literally being played in a cornfield. Have you? Did you watch at all uh any of the field of dreams game <clears throat> or wish, were you were you tending your own crops i wish i could say that i did because despite the moniker and all joking aside due to an incident in my past that we shall not discuss i'm not allowed legally within 500 feet of a cornfield who watches that who patrols that do you have a do you have a uh, like a chip in you that tell that tells like some sort of federal authority when you get close to a uh, a cornfield or is this Think a, of it like, like house arrest with like an ankle monitor that has like right corn proximity there's like a electroshock that comes on you whenever you get near and near a corn I don't yeah know. okay that works uh i don't know if you uh saw it or not there was a they had uh ken griffey juniors and seniors um play catch the have a catch and uh i saw the, the i saw it on twitter i did not actually watch the game um, but I saw the, the video on Twitter and, uh, as they went to go have a catch the very first throw from junior to senior, uh, he dropped. So I was like, this is, this is fitting. This is great. But he's also like easily in his sixties by now. So I, time will catch us all. I'm sure. So I did at least but. catch the opening festivities and seeing the place walk out of the corn. That is entertaining it is fun i do like it baseball should do more things like this i love the little league classic game cleveland was a part of that last year yeah so I, i'm a big fan um you know just due to limited access and based on where i was earlier this evening all i saw of the game was the cubs putting three up on the reds and drew smiley plucking the first guy he faced cool yeah that'll that'll do it but yeah Oh, you know, I mean, when you have no when you have no fences and it's literally just cornfield, it's not that hard to put it over the the fence, quote unquote. So, but. yeah, I'm, I wonder how that works. Does like if it if it just goes into the corn on the fly, does it count? Is there I think a corn so. Line? I've always figured that's what it was. I don't think you're seeing like Nick Senzel like running into the field with the ball in his hand, like right. holding up his glove. Like there's some kind of railing in left field from when I was looking at it, but like right field is obviously just straight corn. So if a ball goes in there on the fly, like I have to assume that's gone unless gone. they play like Wrigley Ivy rules. Well, 
I I don't know about like ground rule doubles. I'm thinking like just on the fly. Like the corn is the like like line of demarcation. I don't know about like it bouncing and hitting and like because obviously there's no fence there. So I would think it would just be a ground rule double if it hits the ground and bounces in. I think this would be a great time to consult the wooded dong guy for our at least our fly ball questions. We'll, I would we'll assume ask, anything we'll, that bounces we'll, out. We'll ask. I will determine what uh, what this happens here, and I will put it in the podcast notes tonight. So that'll be my that's my homework for this evening. So we need corn uh, rules, Joe. Corn right. rules. Corn rules for the podcast. Uh, your homework is to go to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY and check out all of the Guardians gear that they have on the website. Uh, we bring it up all the time. Tons of great shirts on the uh, on the site. Uh, get some ready to support your first place guards. Uh, first place all to themselves, your Cleveland Guardians, one and a half uh, games up on the Minnesota Twins, uh, youngest team in the league. Uh, first place, Ethan. How do you feel about the team right now? Um, as uh, on August 11th, we had there was a game that we got to see uh, early today. Got to extra innings uh, for a, a win in extras to sweep the Tigers. But uh, how are you feeling about your guards today? After today's game, I feel physically old. It was so <laughs> stressful. I I could feel myself aging in the ninth and tenth inning of this game. But overall. I mean, I feel absolutely fantastic. The team's playing good baseball. The The starting rotation has come around. They're playing or they're pitching absolutely out of their mind right now. And that's something that this team has really needed is the pitching to come together. But the last time through the rotation, which extends into the latter two games of that Astro series over the weekend, Guardians pitchers chipped in 30 and a third innings pitched, 16 hits, just three earned runs, all of them allowed by Savali and Plezak during the two games that they pitched against Detroit, walked just four batters and struck out 31. And that includes three scoreless starts from Cal Quantrill, Shane Bieber, and Tristan McKenzie. That'll play. Yeah, that's uh, those are those are some nice stats. And I was uh, slowly nodding my head as you uh, were saying that they the runs were given up by uh, Zach Plezak and Aaron Savale, as uh, I'm sure we will we'll get into tonight as we uh, are actually going to play a, a kind of a, a game. Um, there wasn't, a, I, as you said, for reasons that are out of our control, both of us have been a little bit busy, and so we haven't been able to watch as much games as we'd like. So rather than tell you a whole bunch of uh, updates on players, we thought we would play a new game. Uh, that I thought up and, and he, Ethan called it heat check. I titled it uh, take him or leave him, but um, we'll get into our game here in a second. Uh, I did want to mention just news and notes. Um, the guardians are heading out to Toronto for a weekend series uh, with the Toronto series that all that always brings up uh, the vaccination status of certain players. Um, and it's <laughs> Uh, Guardians actually only losing a player. It is not a royal situation where there is uh, multiple and myriad people that are off the roster. Um, but uh, James Krinjak will not be able to um, play against the Blue Jays. Uh, Cleveland has already decided they are going to call up uh, Peyton Battenfield. Um, so if he pitches over the weekend, 
This will be the 14th rookie that is getting his uh, major league debut in a Guardians uh, uniform this season. So um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that actually does happen and interesting to see where that number ends up totaling for Cleveland at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, just a three-game series. Uh, I don't know when Battenfield pitched last. Um, I know he's a starter by trade. It's very possible they will use him in a long relief role. But um, what are your thoughts on this Toronto series that's coming up this weekend? So the Blue Jays fired their manager, which I still contend was a move that didn't make a ton of sense to me. But at the same time, it's hard to argue with people internally saying that he'd lost the locker room and things weren't going their way. And it's hard to argue with the performance they've had since Toronto's a different team than when Cleveland swept them early in the year. So it's not going to be an easy series, but if the pitching is doing what it's doing north of the border, as it has the last week, I'll take Cleveland in the series to at least get two out of three. Yeah. I don't uh, see why two out of three, can't be uh can't be possible there's no uh the team is playing very well right now and toronto isn't as isn't what they were supposed to be which is why the manager got fired and um so yeah i I definitely can see a world where it can happen and i'm not predicting anything i would like to have a two out of three but um getting a series win would be pretty big for this club in aspects of um, getting, bringing some legitimacy to the, uh, to the first placeness just because the AL central is so uh, God awful, but um, it would uh, allow them to have a little bit more of like, see, we are good. So not only do you get, some validation as to, to leading the division. And we can debate the mixed stats about Cleveland's record against teams currently above 500 and whatnot. I know that's been a hot button issue in our own discord, but it would also be nice that worst case scenario down the stretch, you pocket six games out of seven on the season against wildcard one Toronto. Right. In case for whatever reason you do fall out of the division lead. And it's nice to have those wins. And you've got Baltimore coming up in a couple of weeks too. So having those season series wins in your back pocket is also a great thing. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you it sounds it sounds it's one of those it sounds stupid, but it's nice to win the games, you know. So uh but yeah. So let's speaking of games, let's get to our uh our take em or leave them game. Uh and Ethan and I were talking that we can we can look back on this and, and uh at the end of the year and just kinda compare notes to where we were uh, at the start of August, see where we are at the end of the season. But uh, here are my rules. You guys can play along as you listen. Uh, Rules of my game that I just created and made myself as my phone falls off my uh, little camera stand. Um, You have... uh, You can take this player onto next year's roster, or you can leave him here in 2022. Uh, You have to keep 20 players, but you have to have a plan to fill the other six spots on your 26-man roster. If you are leaving players off of the roster, you have to declare what you are going to do with them. If you're going to trade them away, 
uh, non-tender them or if you're going to send them back down to the minors. Uh, the only other rule that I have, Jose Ramirez is the only automatic entry uh, because uh, reasons. It's Jose Ramirez. He should absolutely be the automatic entry. So um, what? Uh, where do you want to start? I have the list of hitters and pitchers. I have them. I, I'm almost certain I have all 26 here uh, for you. Um, where do you uh, Where do you want to start? Do you want to, Do you want me to just go down the list and say where they are, and we can talk about uh, them individually, or do you have a set that you have pretty much already uh, moved over? No, let's just go down the list. I think we can make it a, a stop by stop talking point idea here. Okay. So I went, I tried to go as much around the diamond as I could. So uh, I have uh, Josh Naylor at first. For me, he's a keep. Uh, I think he's established himself this year as a uh, very clutch bat. Um, I think he is, I don't know that he, I, I think they want to keep the DH open going forward. I think they, the, the comments from Zach Meisel in, um, some of those articles about friend mill that they, the coaching staff likes having the rotating DH. It is a, is a, it's a feature, not a bug um, uh, of having the roster. So I think he'll play first base more than he'll DH, uh, which is, which is still pretty decent, but uh, I think he's established himself as a major league hitter. Somebody who, who is um, as important in the locker room as he is in the lineup. And uh, I think he's a guy that you have to pencil in for uh, 2023. Yeah, he's he's a no-brainer keeper in my mind. I think we have differing ideas of what we would like to see happen with Naylor. As far as short-term goes and what happened in 2023, I'm, I'm absolutely keeping him. That being said, I don't think there's a better first base option as much as I would like to see him as his power continues to develop, eventually switch into that DH role. Now, that's not saying that he can't improve his defense, but it's been an adventure at first, not as bad as some other players as we've highlighted. He, he's got some good stretch. He can at least catch the ball, but... You know, it's not perfect. He's still developing over there. And some of it may even be side effects from his ankle injury. That's very obvious. He's still nursing some days as he's running the bases. But yeah, he's, he's a clutch bat. There's some power still to be unlocked there. He's another one of Cleveland's ideal. Hardly chases anything. Doesn't strike out a whole lot. You'd like to see the walks come up too. But yeah, as far as this roster can, is concerned, Josh, Josh Naylor has to stay. Yeah, I agree. So mark one down on the uh, on the count. Uh, next up, second base. This is obvious. This is this is as obvious a except as anybody. Uh, almost in the automaticness, Andres Jimenez uh, absolutely is going to uh, be a guy that's kept um, to the point of looking at the future. I like how Mitch put it uh, early on. If Andres is your floor then that's a really great floor to have as, at the middle infield spot. So um, he's he was an all-star this year. He started the all-star game. He got was able to do it, uh, and he's as good as advertised and has made the Lindor trade 
uh, look like not a steal, but look like a win for Cleveland so far. I think he's been better than advertised. Bias fully on display. I was upset when the Lindor trade happened. Lindor was my favorite player, but that's the life of a small market ball club. I've right. been through this time and time again. I, you know, I went to a game this past Saturday. I wore a Cliff Lee jersey. He was my favorite player at one point in time. Traded him too. It's just the game that you have to play. But I didn't know much about Jimenez when he came over in that deal. And reading back and looking at it now, I, I really think he's exceeded what he was promised to be, especially since he already had some major league experience with the Mets before he joined Cleveland. It, it's been it's been a revelation to be completely honest. And he's still, again, he's another guy who's developing his power, but this season he's been a completely different player at the plate. And he just has such good command of the strike zone. He rarely swings and misses. He still chases the high heater a little bit, but the walks are going to come with his approach. The power's starting to be there. And let's not forget he's 23 and started the all-star game. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think in this lineup, I I am okay with not having as much. It's hard to find power in this lineup, but I also think that he's a guy that can develop into it in a Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor kind of a way. The contact is there. The eye is there. um, And he's able to command the strike zone almost as well as like a pitcher does. But, um, yeah, I think I think the power will come with Jimenez as he gets a little bit older, but as as good a floor as there is uh, for for building the roster. So, all right, uh, next one on the list going around the horn, Ahmed Rosario. We might have a little bit of of a fight on this one. So why don't you take it first? We have reached our first leave them behind of this list. And this is nothing against Ahmed. And I will give credit where credit's due. He has been excellent to start the second half of the season. I I can't take that away from him. And I know there's a lot of talk out there about how his defense has largely improved, but largely is a bit of an exaggeration. He's still barely above replacement level at defense. He made two errors in this series against Detroit, and it's not perfect. But you know, he's continuing to hit for average. He's still a two and a half F war player. There's not a lot to dislike about him other than the fact that he just doesn't hit for any sort of power. He doesn't walk as much as you would like, but he hits line drives and he sprints like crazy. But the same argument that we've applied for Andres Jimenez, if Andres is your floor, you're in a great spot. If Ahmed is your floor, that's a bit lower. And I really do think that some of the crop of prospects coming up can replicate to a degree Rosario's offensive numbers while being exponentially better defensively. But leaving Rosario behind also means moving Andres back to his natural shortstop position and letting a player who is taking reps at second base in the minors like Brian Rocchio come up, who is, by the way, a line drive for average hitter like Ahmed, but plays potentially gold glove defense. He has the nickname the professor for a reason. So Ooh, I love a I love a good nickname when they make it. I like making the nicknames myself, 
but uh, I'm I'm good with calling Rokio the professor as he comes. Brian Rokio nice. the professor. That is dubbed by a Cleveland organization coach. That that one can stay. But I I do think that we're going to throw away things like clubhouse presence. I know Rosario has a lovely reputation right now in the clubhouse, and he's been very much a catalyst for what this team is doing right now. But just from a play standpoint, I think this healthy, healthy farm system can replicate what he's doing and eclipse it sooner rather than later. Because what does this team do? They get younger and they get cheaper. And Rosario's next in line for that casualty. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These are good points. Uh, I don't, I am turning into the curmudgeon of the Discord. Um, I will never be able to fully uh, take uh, Bodhi out of that role. Um, but uh, I, the, I, I started writing a uh, let's extend Ahmed Rosario uh, piece last night when I, uh, I saw the tweet that came through after Will Benson hit his uh, got his first hit that uh, Ahmed and uh, JRAM are will take the ball. Mind you, the fact that they've had so many players that have had their first major league hit this year is one thing, but they've been taking the ball and uh, feigning as though they are throwing it into the stands to try to keep it away from the authenticator. Um, it, it just won my, won my little uh, untangible heart. You know, the, the, the stuff you can't put, the unquantifiable things so uh i did want to mention though and 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 i will i'll sit on the pod so i don't have to actually finish out the article despite the fact that i probably should uh ahmed is has done things to his offensive game that if they hold true to next year if not in cleveland will make someone very happy uh he has upgraded his um he was never much of a free swinger. His batting, his strikeout rate never got really, you know, exorbitantly high. He doesn't walk at all, but he doesn't ever, he didn't strike out nearly as bad as what major league players are, but he's down to 15% of K rate this year, which is getting close to Steve Kwan, Jose Ramirez numbers. And uh, in doing so, he has taken out, he's basically put all of his stats into uh, contact rate, uh, out of con- out of zone contact rate um, and in zone contact rate, and improved all of those to a point where you know you can see the swing of miss is is almost gone now. He's down to single digit uh, percentages on swing and miss rate. He was close, never got to twelve, but close to like twelve percent swinging strike rate, uh, down to nine point two, I think this year. So. Um, it's a big drop for three, three percentage points, two and a half, whatever. Um, dropping that stat in particular, but uh, this goes to he he's 
making adjustments and and growing his offensive uh, capabilities. It's allowing him to stay in the top of the lineup of a right now playoff team. And uh, I would like to keep him on the roster for these things, but I will agree with you that just by virtue of the organization, uh, there are better days to come uh, when, with regards to his offense, with regards to his defense rather. And uh, it's likely that the Brian Rocchio's or, Tyler Freeman's maybe could do what he does on offense while providing an even better defense. So uh, he will be the first one that we uh, check off here. Um, so what would you suggest? Uh, obviously he is, he is entering his arbitration three year. Are you, uh, are we trading Ahmed? Are we, uh, are we non-tendering him? I don't think he's, 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 I don't know his option status. But I don't imagine that he needs. He's going to be sent to the minors. He's either on this roster or off it. Um, is he in a different or is he in a different uniform for 2023? I, I absolutely think you would trade him in this scenario. And I know, leading up to the deadline, there was talk of we know what Ahmed Rosario is. His trade value is not going anywhere. I think the foundation on that might be starting to shift slightly. I'm not saying Rosario fetches you any team's top prospect. You know, I, I think entering this season, if they moved Rosario, like we've long speculated that they would before he cemented himself as a clubhouse presence, you probably would have gotten some 1920 low A, high A kind of player right. that's like a gamble for him with the, the time that he had left. I think now you might be able to flip him for maybe a reliable reliever with a year or two of control, you could get yourself another major league piece, but not anything that's going to be like a cornerstone franchise altering player, but somebody that's of use to you in your current build. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that there's, I don't think you're getting any kind of like 50 level, you know, on fan graphs, 50 player prospect uh, back for Rosario, but uh, a, a useful major league piece, can definitely be had so that's uh definitely out there so all right moving around the horn we already put uh jose in so he is in without a doubt automatic entry um so that put, moves us out to the outfield uh steven kwan um there were people on sites who may have made mention of uh invoke the name Mercado when it comes to Stephen Kwan. Um, I think you and I can both agree that uh, it's kind of silly to think, to sit here and, and watch Stephen Kwan play and have any kind of Oscar Mercado flashbacks. That's an apples to oranges comparison. I mean, Oscar Mercado in 2019 alone, which is considerably his best season and it's not even close he might have swung and missed and struck out more times than Stephen Kwan might in the first three years of his career in just 2019, which was 115 games. Right. So think about that for a second. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I can't, uh, I can't see, I cannot see this roster taking, taking form, taking shape in 2023 and have 
Saquon not be on it. The no. only way that you are that you are going into 2023 as a Cleveland Guardians uh, organization without Steve Stephen Kwan on the roster is if he you have Juan Soto or you know like as some some bigger name Brian Reynolds or something like that that it's a much bigger bat than what Kwan is able to do. Um, they made mention today that he, I think it was actually Andre that mentioned uh, how Sandy's kind of been working with Sandy Alomar has been kind of working with him a little bit more on getting better jumps um, on the base paths. And uh, I think that is one, I think power will develop. He had a mammoth home run today um, in today's game. He's just not a power hitter, which is okay. He's a, he he's not a slap ball hitter either. Is the other he's definitely a middle ground like line drive guy, but he's on base so much, and I think that if he is able to add a base stealing component to his game, that's like the last, you know, that's the cherry on top of what is an already really good player. And uh, I, I think if, if he's able to do that, able to work that out, then um, he could be a 30 steals guy. He's on base often enough at the top of the lineup. So, yeah, I'm with you there. He's really excelled in this leadoff spot. And it's something that I've wanted to see is the team send him more. He does a lot of like the half stutter step kind of starts to go and then gets cold feet kind of yeah, thing. He gets, he gets ideas on the yeah. base path. Uh, he doesn't ever fall. He doesn't really ever finish through on them, but he gets ideas. Hilariously enough, a few weeks ago against the White Sox, that actually turned into a pitcher panicking and throwing the ball away. But I don't think he does it on purpose. I think it's one of those things where he doubts himself and he gets a better jump than he realizes, but he yes. freezes. Yes. So I, my, I, I, anecdotally, I've seen him. I've seen him scamper back to a base off of a hit like a like i've seen him dive back to first when he he maybe could have made it a second like yeah. he, but he just ah oh no and just yeah. like runs back halfway yeah, the there sign was on and he panicked a little bit but right yeah i really think that's a level of his game that can exist and even for kwan if developing more power just means getting higher ev on those line drives that's more than fine i really yeah. think you have a capable everyday leadoff guy in Stephen Kwan yeah. for years to come. For sure. This is, is his betting profile just fully lends itself to that. So, um, all right, next one, center field, Miles Straw. Um, I, I, going into the year, this would have been an automatic. Yes. There are some question marks now after that, that, horrible couple months that he went through. Um, I'm going to mark him as yes. Are you cool with marking Miles Straw as a yes? You have to. I mean, yeah. his stretch, yes, it was bad, but unlike Fran Meal, he's rebounded, and he's right. played really well out of the nine hole and has given T- Terry Francona his ideal, yeah, I'm going to put a leadoff guy in the nine hole. Yeah, his, 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 fake, his fake leadoff. Yeah, he enjoys that fake leadoff. For for two other reasons, a you paid him twenty million dollars over four years, and 
B, he plays plus defense. Even if it's 250 and has a down year for you because you know that's still worth it in my mind. Yeah, uh, you you invoked Fran Mill because they both uh, went cold at the same time. Um, Miles is able to was is around one because like you said he you paid him so he's still there, but he provides defense. Fran Mill with a glove is shaky at best. Is like and that's. Giving that's a lot more friend to friend mail. That's being polite to friend mail. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I agree with straw is uh, is a good uh, add on. So um, I'm trying to like I'm judging like time here, and I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, we only have five guys so far. So, uh, but I know there will be some of these that we can kind of leave off. Um, we're going to have conversations probably about the next two or three guys. So. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, OG, this is going to be a tough one because, and if you want to do Oscar Gonzalez, Nolan Jones together, you can't. We can talk about both of them at the same time, but Oscar is such a hard, hard, hard conversation to have right now because he is a guy that we've talked about was didn't we didn't think he was going to be anything, and he's made himself have value, and. I don't know that he's. Uh, I don't know that he's got long-term value, and so I, I almost want to say, for sake of Nolan Jones and others, you kind of have to leave OG off. But it, it, this one hurts if we if we do this. Yeah, I I don't envy the front office having to make this decision, but. I, I think I'm right. It's it's only 40 games. Yes, he has defied expectations. He was even the hero today. He's hitting over 300. He's got 15 doubles. Uh, he struck out far less than we anticipated, but the home run just haven't come around. And I frankly still have my doubts. I know I tweeted out earlier today that he continues to prove me wrong at the plate and that I am still immensely impressed, but I still think it is all just short term. I value Nolan Jones as a future chip, like a blue chip prospect to this organization so much higher than I do Oscar. And that comes with the flexibility of, I think he can adapt to play better right field defense than Oscar ever could. He's got a great arm out there and he comes with the flexibility and we've been calling for it for a while to potentially chip in and play first base when Naylor needs days off. So I, I just... If you're going to ask me to pick, I'm taking Nolan over Oscar, and I'm going to send Oscar to some team looking for a DH. Because if this is what he's going to be, and he can add some power, maybe at the cost of some average, if he's a 120 WRC plus kind of guy like he is right now, somebody's going to take a bite of that for five years of team control, six years of team control. Yeah, uh, I think it. I think you are seeing Oscar Gonzalez become. Fran Mill Reyes with San Diego. And it's a guy that is, you know, he he played outfield. Fran Mill played outfield for San Diego and they just had a roster crunch and it wasn't, it, they wanted to get rid of him. And so, you know, Cleveland graciously took him up, took him on. And um, Oscar doesn't, Oscar has the power to be that Fran Mill guy. 
Um, we've seen it in the minors. We haven't not seen it in the majors, but um, it, he can definitely do it. And and as you said, for the sake of it, if you're if we're sacrificing, uh, if we're if we're keeping Nolan Jones, you have to sacrifice uh, Oscar. And I think anyone would do that at this point as well. So uh, that's that's where we're at. We're we're leaving Oscar Gonzalez, trading him away, um, maybe telling him to work on adding some power to his game while not losing any con- any uh, contact ability in the minors. But uh, that's where we're at. So um, last three of the position players before we get to the catchers. Owen Miller, Tyler Gone. Freeman. Well, yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> I wasn't even like, I almost was like, oh, no. never mind. Uh, yeah, Owen Miller, just real quick. Great guy, maybe, possibly. I don't know. We haven't heard any like news reports about Owen Miller being a good guy, but I, I would take it that he, I believe it if he was. But he's just not, not made for this roster. There are other guys that can do what he can. Um, and that and being play first sub in the first base, play in second. There, there's other guys that are there. So um he definitely does not need to be hitting cleanup in this lineup, but I don't know why he does. But uh Owen Miller, sorry, your bags are packed and you're ready to go. So uh we will uh see you on the on the flippy. Flippy flip. Uh Tyler Freeman, Will Benson. Um looking at it, we have three guys that are going right now on the hitters. We have to cut six of these out. So you have the, if you're cutting out Owen Miller, you have the plausibility of keeping Tyler Freeman and Will Benson. So I'm keeping Freeman. You tell okay. the guy of the future for Absolutely. me right now. Um, you know, he made an incredible play at third base today. Uh, I know there were questions about the arm, but I have no issues with it, and he's another one of those patented Cleveland elite kind of contact, really nice plate approach that's starting to prove itself in the majors kind of look to it. You know, could be everything we've ever wanted out of an Ernie Clement type, but it, it you know, it could depend. If consistent playing time could start to erode him, could rust those skills, but I'm absolutely keeping Freeman. I think I'm going to let Benson go, though. Okay. Uh, you're going to be keeping more pitchers than what I think you're going to be keeping is probably where I'm at. No, I'm but. going to hoard prospects like a dragon hoards gold. But well, okay, it is <laughs> the book on Benson. Yes, he's a, a former first round pick of Cleveland. He's still a young guy, but the book on him is that he takes too long to adjust at each level that he gets to. He has yet to play first base at the majors for whatever reason. I don't understand that move in my mind. I mean, Owen played first base and back cleanup today, and I just cut him. So here we are, but. I kept Nolan Jones because I think he's better than Oscar Gonzalez in right field. I'm definitely keeping Nolan Jones because I think he's better than Will Benson in right field. So with the outfield and George Valera still working in the minors, I'm going to let Benson walk. See, personally, I would be keeping Benson because I trust him more in center field, which is weird to like think of him as a backup first baseman slash center fielder. But having a uh that uh, that option there um i don't i guess stephen kwan would would actually feasibly be your backup center fielder he came up through the minors playing center right so okay yeah and i mean we're definitely 
if we're not cutting, uh, I'm I'm good with cutting Will Benson. I have I had him leading up to the trade deadline. I had him cutting. I had him in basically every uh, every trade package I made. He was he was in as just a like, hey, it's found money basically, and let's see what we have. So uh, catchers on the roster: Austin Hedges, Luke Maley. Um, Maley's gone. Hedges will yes. be around next year uh, to to be with uh, Bo Naylor, um, but Luke Maley is absolutely gone. So um, glad you hit your first home run since 2019, dude. Uh, what took you so long? Why you gotta Why you gotta wait? Why you gotta make us wait for so long? Hey, man. At least it was a game that Cleveland won one to nothing. So you can, it, it counted. It's very true. You can do it. You can do it more often, Luke. That's what I'm telling you. You okay, can you sir. can you can do it more often. You don't have to wait that long. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, all right. Out of the hitters, we are losing. We are leaving Ahmed Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez, Owen Miller, Will Benson, and Luke Maley. That's five guys that we are losing off the roster. So, keeping 20. uh, You have to keep 20. I guess we can keep more, but we are we're cutting we're cutting at a pretty quick rate here. We may have to come back to some of these guys. So, all right, pitchers. Let's do uh, rotation all at once. I, I I'm good with doing rotation all at once. Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Zach Plezak, Aaron Zavale, Cal Quantrill. Out of there, three or four are you keeping? I'm keeping three. Keeping three, and it's it's Shane Bieber. I know. Time is not long on his contract, but I think based on where this team is now, keeping him and trying to play up your current window that is opening and letting that contract expire is better than trying to find a better alternative on the trade market for him. I'm yes. keeping Tristan McKenzie. He's right. blossoming into an ace in front of our eyes. Absolutely. He's been lights out, especially against teams leading the American League. I called him big game hunter after his game against Houston which I don't think is incorrect. And I'm keeping Quantrill your quintessential innings eater time and time again. We've doubted him at points in the year, but here he is plugging along. He's eight and five with a respectable three, eight something ERA. I don't understand his switch from five pitches to two this year, but for whatever reason, he's making it work. You know, he's going to go get you six innings, give up maybe three or three runs. Although he did do six shutout against Houston last week. I'm definitely out on Plezak and Savale. Plezak has never really found it to me, and he still gives up a ton of hard contact. And after this season, I've really seen enough of Aaron Savale. We joked at the beginning of the year he's the natural evolution of what Josh Tomlin could have been, but now he's just sunk fully into the worst of Josh Tomlin. (laughs) And I, I can give a little bit of context on this one. Entering his start yesterday against the Tigers... With the bases empty, Aaron Savale was giving up a slash line of 284, 309, 433. Not 
great, but he had a 3.02 FIP and was striking out 25% of batters he faced, but only walking 3%. All right, you can live with that. But when Savali allows even a single base runner, it doesn't have to be a man in scoring position. This is even with just a guy on first base. A single base runner, Savali's line spikes to opponents are hitting 313, 406, 566 slugging against him. He has a six FIP. His K rate drops eight points to 16.8%, and he walks 11% of the guys he faces. He stranded a career low 59% of base runners he's allowed this year. His previous stat, his previous average entering this year was 79%. He's got to go. You can't just put that in the bullpen and hope it plays. Yeah, I was gonna say you, your bullpen guy, you, with the rule changes to, you know, being a three bit a three batter minimum, it does change a little bit where you are having guys you're you're having guys start innings more than you're having guys come into them but so you're starting with a clean inning which would to your point help out someone like Savale but his stuff just doesn't play up the way that other guys would uh Plezak would make a more reasonable bullpen guy um as we've long talked about but I agree with your points here uh yeah I'm good with keeping Shane Bieber and Tristan and uh, a Cal Quantrill. Um, Cal, uh, Cal gets Cal gets a bad rap, and I I'm not here for it. I don't like the you know it, there is there is value in being an innings eater in 2022 2023, and Cal is, is decent enough to to be that guy, and that's where I'm at. Uh, and I I I. Will not let the slander go on. Will not. Won't have it. Uh, more guys that we know. We're moving with the rotation. Done with the rotation. So, uh, again, that's Shane Bieber keeping. Tristan McKenzie keeping. Cal Quantrill keeping. Zach Plezak leaving. Uh, Aaron Svalle leaving. Uh, bullpen guys, obviously, Emmanuel Classe, he's a keeper. Absolutely no doubt. Um, one, you paid him. Two, he's just good so uh there's no question on that um i'm good with keeping just naming names sam henches currently uh being the lefty um i am good with uh keeping nick sandlin uh who has been effective since being called back up um and i'm good with keeping trevor stefan just trying to compartmentalize a little bit um he had a little bit of a rough go today um but he has been a steadying force in the bullpen this year as well. Um, Nick Sand, like I said, has been good. Henches has been, I mean, it, it, we, we talk about a lot. Miller-esque uh, against not only just lefties. He's been good against righties as well. And uh, uh, I'm interested to see if they make him be more of a utilitarian role uh, rather than just a, like, lefty guy um as i mentioned with the bullpen rules you don't have guys that are coming in the middle of innings anymore um so it's hard to bring him in for a lefty lefty matchup um but he's been he's been pitching very well at the bullpen and uh that's a guy that i enjoy seeing so do you have a problem with trevor stefan nick sandlin sam Hedges being kept 
I'm iffy on henches, but I'll, I'll let it go because there are other guys on this list that I want to let go to, and I don't want to make the list too long of who we're letting go. You know, I, I know the rules are that we have to find places for these guys if we don't keep them. And we didn't touch on it, but for the record, I would probably trade Plezak for whatever he's worth and probably non tenders at all. Like, you'd be hard pressed to find something for him. But yeah, I agree. You know, in terms of who's currently in the bullpen, it's I'm getting rid of Brian Shaw and I'm jettisoning him into the sun. I'm not going to try and find a trade partner. I'm I'm done with that. That whole just thing. have him just have him be the bullpen coach. We tried that with Scott Atchison, but for whatever reason, they wouldn't even let Scott Atchison pitch this much. Just let it. Just let him be. Just literally take his like jersey off of him. Hide his glove. Make I think him, it, if you're gonna have him, if if you're if your idea is to have him be out there to be the wrangler of the children, then have him just hire him as a pitching coach. Put him in the put him on the, the coaching staff. I think at this point we have to give Terry Francona a lobotomy to see less of Brian Shaw. But Shaw's gone. I'm I think I'm done with Eli Morgan. That's hard for me yeah, to say. I agree. Um, you know, he's not he throws a slider, but he doesn't use it enough. And without adding that third pitch and that extra plane of movement, if guys are sitting on two pitches and you've got a 50-50 chance of hitting one, he's going to keep getting roughed up like this. The league is adjusted and he's not. And that's yeah. the recipe of you got to go. The command uh, is the command is not there for Morgan to be able to use the, the changeup in such a way that he can hide it. He's, yeah. he's not throwing the the fastball enough, or not throwing the not throwing the changeup too little enough. It's it, whatever the pitch mix is, it, it's not working. So yeah. it either need, the the yeah, third pitch either needs to be added, and that's hard for a bullpen guy to do, or the velo needs to be amped up. Something something is wrong uh, with the mix, and it, it's just not. It doesn't seem like it's going to work out. So yeah, but I'm also going to throw out. Daniel De Los Santos. I don't think there's much of a future there. Maybe as a first guy out of the, the bullpen kind of thing, but for whatever reason, he keeps working himself into these leverage situations after not pitching in a week, and then the team deciding that the closer and the setup guy need a, a day off. It's not really appropriate usage, and if you aren't finding spaces for him to pitch in the sixth after Plezak throws 100 pitches in five and two-thirds, then... I don't know why or what you're doing with him. And then this is probably my biggest curveball of the night. No joke intended there, but I'm probably going to get rid of Karen Shack too. Oh no. See, I know you, I knowing you, I fully expected him being gone. So it's not that much of a curveball. I know a lot of uh, people are really high on him right it now. Didn't, but... It didn't stick with me the way that I thought it would. Maybe not you, but to people listening, I, yeah, I know. I'm going to run my hands through my hair and contemplate that joke for a minute. But it, there's just – he's only pitched 15 innings this year. The numbers look great, but we saw what happened when they banned sticky stuff, and I don't know if that necessarily just comes back the way it has for him. Or, I mean, even if that was, as the team would like you to believe, just a confidence problem of him going through a rough stretch and him working his way back up, he's eventually going to get roughed up again, 
and then do you have to lose him for an entire season for to get mentally right again? Right. right. So it's there's something there that I don't like and don't want the risk of wow, we're in the thick of it in September and he's suspended or entirely lost it mentally. I, yeah, I, for me, he's too good to be left off. I, I he, he's pitching as, as good as anybody right now. And I guess it, it may just be me being a, a captive of the moment. Um, I, I think somebody, I don't remember who said it, um, but uh, they said, you know, really enjoy because he's just he's just a psycho. He looks like a psycho. He is. And, he acts and like it. He acts like it at least. And um, somebody on Twitter said it's great seeing pitchers add the emotion and add the extra stuff into it. I don't want to ever talk to him. I don't. Uh, you know, and yeah, I I would absolutely you run into traffic to move to the other side of the road if I was walking walking down the street and saw him. So I, yeah. yeah. To, to his credit, I think he's come a long way since his last emotion and coming back up this year, both as a, like a team guy, his media presence has been really nice this year. He's done a really good job of talking up other guys in the locker room, not talking about himself, which is nice to see it's growth. It's maturity for a, a you know, a 26 year old pitcher. But at the same time, I think you capitalize on a 26 year old reliever who, intrigues probably a lot of teams but probably thinks similarly to i do i think you get what you can for him now and move on and let him be somebody else's problem absolutely i agree um what was the name that i left off so let's go to let's look back so pitching staff we are keeping shane bieber mckenzie quantrill Class A, Stefan, Sandlin and Henches, uh, leaving, please ask of all A, Eli Morgan, Brian Shaw, De Los Santos, and Karinchak. Um So we are we are well under the 20 guys that uh, I was planning on keeping. Um, so I'm going to do an executive decision. We're gonna we're gonna keep Oscar Gonzalez. We're just gonna let him stay. Because He's a great dude, and we want to keep him around. So that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have ten, four extra guys that I was not planning on uh, being gone, but we're good. So I I late made uh, minor hitters of note that uh, will probably end up being in the mix on twenty twenty three. Um, looking at uh, Bo Naylor. Will absolutely be there. Um, I think that that has that was proven when um, Sean Murphy was not traded for this year. Um, Seth Wanamaker actually asked in our Discord, um, like, what was the idea behind you know not making any moves? And and I mentioned it seems that the cost for Murphy was not what they wanted. They, it was obviously too high. Um, Sean Cake Murphy, um, and with their the organization is is obviously and within well good reason very high on Bo Naylor, and so giving up the prospect package that would have that it would have cost to get Murphy um, to be 
what is effectively a part-time player next year was just not worth it. And I absolutely agree. If that's how you view Bo Naylor and you think he's going to be that good, which I do, I agree. Let's not trade two of Espino, Valera, Brian Rocchio, you know, the one and only Logan Allen. Uh, it's it's not worth it to trade two of those guys for somebody who's going to catch four out of seven games a week, three out of seven games. So, yeah, definitely I'm happy that we mentioned him. I he he asked that we mentioned him on the podcast. So, I, shout I out Seth. We, that we got him. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm in lockstep with you on on Bo Naylor. And considering we cut Naylor and kept Hedges, and already had mentioned it earlier in the pod that Hedges is going to be here to teach Naylor yes. how to handle a pitching staff and the the finesse of framing and and receiving and the specifics of that, we know that in theory he should be a significant and vast improvement over Hedges with a bat in his hands. But you can't ignore the value in keeping Hedges to be an on-field catching coach for Bo Naylor. Yeah. Which I think for any catching prospect is the harder thing to learn. I, you know, catchers who do both well, both hit and receive, are so, so rare. I mean, Adley Rutschman's a unicorn. Buster Posey was a unicorn. Yadier Molina, actually all three of the Molina brothers, unicorns. Right. But outside of that, you still have catchers like Salvador Perez and Wilson Contreras who are just offense guys. You have guys like Hedges who are just catchers. So it's rare to find that hybrid, and I think Bo has the potential to be maybe not a unicorn, but up there in like the next tier below of really, really solid catchers. The Sean Murphy's like, yeah. you, why are you, why, you know, uh, the organization made a determination. Why are you going to trade prospects to get Sean Murphy when you have Sean Murphy at home? The Sean and Murphy at home, the Sean Murphy at home. So, uh, that's what, that's what I'm calling Bo Naylor, Sean Murphy at home. Um, I, like I do think, I do think we are going to see Bo Naylor this year. Um, I do think that they, uh, will bring him up and call uh, and use him in September, um, possibly catch a game here, here or there. But um, when rosters expand, I am not at all surprised if Bo's here to simply just listen to Austin Hedges talk and and discuss those things. Um, a name I did not mention uh, above and, and added very lately, um, Cody Morris. Uh, the team has to make a roster decision on him, I think, tomorrow, actually. Um as to where he is going to be in his rehab, he needs added to the 40 man roster. Um, I do think that he is going to be in the minors. I do not think he is going to be added to the big league roster. Um, they seem to be trying to stretch him out and use him as a starter. Um, he's pitching like bulk innings. Um, so I don't know that there's a spot for him right now in the major league team. But he is a guy that I definitely do want to see on the roster for 2023. Maybe it's a fireman role. Maybe supplanting Plezak or Savali in the rotation. But he's a guy that I definitely think is going to be there. So I blew him out. Added him to the uh, the 20 man that we have going on. Or the 26 man that we have going on here. I think you'll probably see Cody this year. You're not going to see him now because at the time that we're recording this, he only has five and a third innings pitched on the year. 
maybe 10 if you include the Arizona League rehab starts. So he needs more time, but I wouldn't be surprised if even by the end of this year, maybe he replaces Eli Morgan for the fireman role, especially if Terry Francona continues to lose faith in him. Right. So Um, Cody Morris, for the record, Cody Morris has been so good in the minors this year. So good in the minors. I had to post it twice in my Discord because these people were not getting how good Cody Morris has been. He has faced 21 batters in the minors in his two in Columbus, and he has struck out 13 of those players. He has gotten 17 of the 21 players out. He's he has a negative fifth. He has a negative fifth. Negative point oh seven. But yeah, guys, it's five and five and a third innings. It's fine. That's the ASMR stuff you got going on right there. Did you like that? Did that you sound can record, You can record some videos later. Um, all right. So I'm adding two, say adding those two guys in for next year. So that's uh, taking some people out. All right. Because uh, we are getting close to our hour. We can um, just go boom, boom, boom down this list if you want. Okay. Valera. Yes, you, for obvious reasons. Yes, he's there for 2023, obviously. Yes. Uh, Gabriel Arias. No, but I guess they know. You know, I want to keep him, but at the same time, he has no trade value and no value to you currently with the rest of the farm going up. So no. Yeah. Uh, Brian Rocchio. I'm the biggest Rocchio fan in this Discord on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're keeping him. I don't know that you see him in the majors next year. I think I think he's knocking, um, doing the Tyler Freeman thing right now. But um, in 2023, I don't know that he's actually going to be on the roster, though. Um, Battenfield, we've already we already see he's going to be here this year. Um, Connor Pilkington, Connor with a K, Pilky Smooth. I'll take Battenfield um, over Pilky Smooth. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I want to see what Battenfield does. I, I'm hoping that they use him this year or this weekend. Just as a quick uh, option, I bet he does get a start in Toronto because you're coming back to a doubleheader against the Tigers after that series. So I bet to get somebody an extra day's rest, he might steal a start up in Toronto. Is it? Is it? I say Quantrill should be on Sunday. Would be Bieber and McKenzie. I don't know they're bumping either one of those guys. You might see him though pitch long longer after Quantrill on Sunday. Or it could be entirely possible they throw out a Sean Friends Day at us so that you can get Quantrill in game one of that doubleheader. Yeah, that makes sense as well. Uh, all right, last three big big names. Uh, the one and only Logan Allen, uh, Daniel Espino, and Xavier Curry. Uh, yeah. Zach Meisel mentioned in his piece today that uh, Curry and Allen could see Major League team, Major League uh, playing time this year. So they kind of have to be, um, and obviously Espino want to keep him in the in the organization. But I'm going to leave leave him as a uh, red on this list just because I want to see him in the minors, see him uh, go a full year being healthy. Now, and, and to anybody listening who hears that point, Espino yes has had some injury problems this year, but a lot of the time that he's missed is mostly out of an abundance of caution. Oh, yeah. This isn't to say that he's got some massive injury problems. The team did this with Tristan, too, when he was really, really young. So, don't... Oh, yeah. When when Tristan came up, like, 
he hadn't he had almost like not pitched like in professional baseball for like yeah. a while. Like it was it was a, a long time, and then all of a sudden he just made it. Yeah. And, so don't and, don't uh, fret over the season with Espino. He still absolutely has it. He's still super young. He actually doesn't even need to be added to the forty this coming year, I don't believe. So I think you have another year before you even have to consider it. But I'm not sure on that. He's still a yes, yes, and yes in my book, and I will confirm Espino right now, actually, while we're talking about it. But yeah, yeah, I think you keep all three of those guys. I don't even think it's in question. Um, Curry and Logan Allen, not your traditional blue chip kind of prospects, but have absolutely impressed the organization. Rule five eligible December of 23, so you don't even have to worry about them this year. Who are you? You knew things that I didn't. Yes. but That's why I have you on the podcast. Hey, hey. But yeah, you, you keep all three of those guys without any question. The, the Cuyahoga Pitching Factory is alive and well. I actually saw it just before we sat down. The Guardians farm system, as of tonight, with a Doug Nikhazy start, have nine pitchers who have eclipsed 100 strikeouts on the season. Wow. It is far and away the most pitchers of any farm system in baseball. And, oh, by the way, they have another guy starting in two days who's sitting at 98. They're going to have 10. Sounds good to me. I'm good yeah. To the Cuyahoga Pitching Factory is alive and well. Yeah. And it, and it just goes to show that's why they didn't go out and acquire an arm, because they can have Cody Morris come up and pitch an inning or two in the playoffs. Or, you know, Logan Allen, Curry, Battenfield, whoever, come in and, and do those uh, – they like having that, having them come up and do some relief innings at first, get their feet wet and things like that. So we can definitely see this as a uh, as an option going forward. But uh, but yeah, I I am interested to see where we're at when September. See if there's guys that uh, were uh, that we grade out that are earn their, earn their ways back in. Um, I do not think that uh, it will be Owen Miller or Luke Maley, but. Um, you know, there's always hope for Zach Plezak or Aaron Savale that they step up enough to where we're looking at them as as pieces for next year. Um, but the guys behind them are nipping at their heels, as we keep talking about. So, all right, Ethan, you got anything else for us tonight? Go first place guards. Go guards. Uh, the guardians again are large statues that are right on a, a bridge in Cleveland. Um, that is a joke that is only for our discord. So, uh, if you listen, uh, I love you. That's it. Have a good night guys. Coming up on five minute news. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.